The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Sanjay Desai, the AMA's Chief Academic Officer and Group Vice President of Medical Education in Chicago, Illinois. He's going to share advice for this year's match applicants and what happens if you don't match. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Desai, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Match Week is very exciting. It's coming up soon, uh, but it's also a very anxious time for medical students who are waiting to find out about where they're going to do their residencies. And inevitably, there are some who don't match. Um, so speaking from your past experience as a residency program director, um, let's start off by talking about uh, some of the most common reasons that you saw for applicants who didn't match. And you know, are those typically for reasons that are within the applicant's control? Uh, first, let me just thank you for having this podcast. I think that this is such an important topic. And as exciting as Match Week is, this is one of the reasons that it is also anxiety provoking. So I'm uh, happy and uh, to be able to be with you and, and talk about this for, for our applicants out there. So there are modifiable and non-modifiable uh, attributes to an application that lead us through the match uh, and lead to the outcome of not being matched. So you know, certainly the non-modifiable ones I think are, are probably pretty clear to all of our applicants. So these were the scores, the grades, the school, when you graduated, where you, where you went to medical school. These are, these are things that you can't change. And mm -hmm. you also can't control the filters that a school will use against those particular attributes. So I think keep in mind that there are things that you certainly can't control. However, there are many things that you can control. So even amongst those non-modifiable things, so for example, you can't control the number of experiences that you've had uh, or the types that they've been, but you can describe them in certain ways in your personal statement in order to showcase a particular background, a particular uh, strength of yours or particular interest of yours. You can also very importantly address issues that have been revealed in these non-modifiable data. So if there are bad or poor scores, clinical scores or, or USMLE scores, you have an opportunity to address them again through your, through your personal statement. The other modifiable uh, attributes that are really important for every applicant to consider is just the strategy that they use for the match. It's, it's often the, 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 the numbers and types of programs that they've applied to that are the reason that they've had difficulty uh, with the match. Getting an advocate that understands this process is critical. And uh, the one, the people that I have met who have not matched who have reached out, often they haven't had the best advice. And I think, again, that advocacy is very important. Understanding how to interview well. There are many processes and steps in this, um, in this overall recruitment effort that are absolutely modifiable, ones that you can get better at, and ones that you should take time and learn from people that are experts in the space uh, to make the best chances that you possibly can have. When you look at the data, do you think it's become easier or more difficult over time uh, to match? And what's driving that shift if there has been a change? Yeah, it's, it's a complicated question only because there's so many different types of applicants. And uh, looking at the data, it's gotten easier for some over time to match. I mean, generally speaking, U.S. medical grads match at extremely high rates. Um, the, applicate, the match rates for our DO students ha has improved 
over time. It, it was, I think, closer to the to the mid 70s uh, 10 years ago, and now it's closer to 90 percent. The increase in that particular uh, group of applicants and in the U.S. medical grad applicants uh, leaves also a, a harder time for our IMG applicants in terms of matching to, to U.S. residency programs. So it really depends on, on the, the type of applicant, easier for some and, and unfortunately harder for others. We're going to talk a little bit more about IMGs uh, in a couple of minutes, but first, um, applicants who don't match uh, find out early in match week. Let's, I want to talk a little bit about kind of what happens uh, in terms of the timeline, you know, uh, take us through, uh, you know, that moment, uh, you know, what are the deadlines people need to be aware of and prepared for if they don't match initially? Yeah, it's a, it, it's a very anxious time, honestly, for everyone that's involved with students and certainly for the students themselves. There's a certain time on Monday, I believe it's at uh, 11 o'clock or noon, where applicants find out if they match or not. They don't, they don't find out where they match, but they find out if they match. And um, as uh, those of us that, who mentor students, this is also a time where we're uh, hopefully not receiving phone calls, but sometimes we will. And these are the students that didn't match. So this is the beginning of a week of uh, a process called SOAP, the Supplemental Offer and Acceptance Program. And this is uh, what used to be called the scramble. And now it's an organized process for those applicants that didn't match to try to find a position in a residency program that also hasn't simultaneously filled. And so my uh, strongest advice is to go to the website for um, the NRMP and look at the process of, of SOAP. It starts on Monday when, when applicants are able to start to put together their applications. On Tuesday, program programs can start to review these applications. And then on uh, Wednesday, they begin to interview these, these applicants. And on Thursday, they start to make offers. And it's not a match at this point. It is a, uh, multiple rounds of offers, uh, which I think are four in the, in, in the end. And then it concludes Thursday evening. And match day is then Friday for everyone, those that matched through the original process and those also that found a spot through the SOAP process. Uh, unfortunately, even at the end of SOAP, and as match day arrives, there are still some applicants who have unfortunately not, not uh, found a residency spot to train in. It sounds like this process, you know, goes pretty fast. Um, and given the quick timeline, you know, how important is it to have a plan heading into match week? And what do people do to prepare now, even though, you know, you're hopeful going into this week, what do you do to kind of prepare yourself? Yeah, I think the best... Um, uh, plan will be to have a plan <laughs> for, for, for this process. Nobody wants it to happen and ho hopefully it doesn't happen, but if it does, you're far better able to manage the week if you come in prepared. And so I think, you know, most applicants who um, go unmatched on that Monday of match week, I believe have some anticipation that this is a, a, a possibility. And so for that group, I think it's very important for, to do a few things. One is to uh, decide as best you can whether you want to pursue other programs that you didn't apply to or not. So for some people, because of geographic or personal constraints, that's not a possibility. And so, um, so that's one decision. And you have to be honest with yourself about that. The second is to also think about, is this uh, specialty that I apply to the only specialty that I would pursue? 
again, a very difficult conversation to have with yourself in an honest way, but very important to have because the, the likelihood is that there'll be many more positions available in the field that you're not applying into. And uh, you are able to apply for those during SOAP and, and uh, you have to make the choice whether you will or, or not. The third is to think about geography um, and, and to think again, is this, uh, <clears throat> uh, do I want to move away from the places that I thought I would live in order to, to have a residency spot next year. The final, which is sort of the converse choice is, would I rather not match? And I think that's something that you should very seriously think about heading into match week. And if you find yourself in the position on Monday, uh, learning that you haven't matched, it is a reasonable choice to say, I will continue to look for the programs that I want to go to in the specialty I want to go to. And um, I'm gonna spend this upcoming time trying to make my application stronger or more competitive and, and reapply. So those choices are um, hard to make and they are easier to make if you've put thought into them before the urgency of Monday of match week. Uh, in addition to, to that advice, you know, if somebody is in that SOAP um, uh, process, which is a lot better than scramble uh, in terms of the acronym, you know, is your advice that they should take the first offer that they receive? Yeah, scramble was scrambled because there were no rules to it. Um, and, and that gets to my point about SOAP. For SOAP, the most important thing is to know the rules. The, the NRP has done, I thought, a uh, very thoughtful job of making this as safe as possible and as organized and structured as possible. With organization and structure come very specific rules. And some of them are not intuitive. So I would um, absolutely make sure you understand these rules very, very well because you get you may get advice that is contrary to some of these rules from people that don't understand the rules. Know the rules because if you violate the rules, then you have violated the process of SOAP and you will not be able to uh, entertain an offer from a program during the SOAP period. So please, 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 if you do find yourself in this position and you go through SOAP, understand the rules. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. If, if an applicant were to find uh, themselves in a situation where they didn't match their SOAP, um, is it okay for them to reach out to programs that they were interested in post-match or attempt to call around for openings in the event that something opens up at a later date? Yes, there are. So there will be at the end of match week, uh, a smaller number of residency programs that continue to open spots and a smaller number of applicants that are still seeking spots. And at that point, there are, it's not organized or structured any longer. And so this is an opportunity for you to reach out to learn more. It may or may not be an option for you, either based on the decision of the program or based on your own choice. But I think talking about, uh, talking with residency program directors uh, for programs that you would be interested in is absolutely a good choice. I also think this is an opportunity for advocacy. So uh, it, it will be far more effective for uh, that outreach to occur with or maybe by uh, someone who is established 
uh, in medical education and maybe maybe even knows the, the person that they're reaching out to. But again, this is where advocacy will be uh, particularly effective in terms of making those connections, because as you can imagine, many people will be reaching out to that small number of programs that are left. Is there anything that an applicant can do to strengthen their application if they need to wait for next year's match? Yeah, you know, there's many things, Todd, that people can do, and I, I think this is uh, this is this should be seen as an opportunity for you to be able to to uh, make changes to your application and to your candidacy to become more competitive. And, and so one is what do you do for the year? So certainly you can get more clinical exposure that can either be through, um, depending on the constraints that, that may apply to you or to the setting that you're in, um, being in a, 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 on a rotation, being a volunteer, but again, getting in front of patients in a way that's observed, ideally supervised, will be very important and I think very helpful because one of the reasons that uh, applicants don't match is uh, because program directors may be worried about their clinical exposure or clinical skill. And this is an opportunity to, to uh, avert that risk or reduce it, certainly. Uh, research is another reason um, that sometimes program directors or applicants won't match. And, and this is something program directors look very fondly upon. So if, if there's an opportunity for you to do research, again, research that you can own, that you can make progress on feasibly in, in the time that you have ahead of you. Ideally, you've already been working on something, but closing that and making progress against it is a, is a very um, uh, effective way to improve your candidacy. Enrolling in, in another degree program, if these others are not opportunities, are, is another, op, is another um, method to improve your candidacy. Here, it's not possible for you to get the degree, at least not if you're applying again within the year. So remember, match week is in, in March and you're gonna be applying again in September. And so earning a degree won't be possible, but enrolling in a, in a degree program, I think would demonstrate uh, resourcefulness, commitment and, and leadership in a particular area. Uh, if you haven't taken USMLE step three, that's, that's a possibility as well. The most important thing in deciding what you should do to strengthen your application is to get advice from your advisors. So you, everybody must have an honest advisor. So the, it is always, I think, um, it's always nice to hear that, look, this, this, had, uh, this was a systems issue and just apply again next year because you're wonderful. That's always nice to hear. It's not helpful to hear that. What's helpful to hear is what can you do incrementally to improve your candidacy within those systems. There are systems issues, but even in the midst of those, there, there is an opportunity for you to get a better outcome. So what can you do? And again, this is someone with, with experience in GME and someone that knows you and your application well, they will be invaluable for you to strengthen your candidacy. Now you mentioned uh, previously, one of the groups that uh, can experience challenges are international medical graduates. What advice do you have for IMGs? Yeah, I, I think that for, for IMGs, the, the reality is it, it is harder and uh, unfortunately so. So the, there are a few things that I think uh, IMGs should consider. One is to be very thoughtful about their strategies. The, re the reason it's harder, one of the reasons it's harder is US program directors are um, risk averse in general. They have the, the luxury of being risk averse because of the number of applicants that they have applying to their, to their residency program. And in that risk averse frame, 
if they are not familiar with your school and they are less likely to be if it's if it's from another country then um, it, it makes it harder for them to to consider um, your application so they're less familiar with the school they're also less familiar with the with the clinical environment and the evaluation methodologies and the letter formats and so anything that you can do to make that risk seem less great to make it more familiar is the strategy that should be employed. And the way to do that, uh, there's several. One is just a basic strategy of applying to many, many more places. So that, that is, I think, one that everybody does anyway. But the others are, how do you reduce the risk? And one way is to apply strategically to programs who have already taken residence, ideally from your school, so that risk is gone because they know your school, if not from your country, and if not generally uh, they take IMGs more regularly. So these are filters that you should be using to strategically apply to schools um, that, that are more likely to consider you. The other is if you have schools where, uh, where residency programs where applicants from your school have gone and have, and have succeeded, then that is of particular uh, interest. It should be of particular interest to you. And the, the bringing in that advocacy piece I brought in earlier, this is an opportunity for you to get someone from your school to write or the alumnus from that residency program that went to your school to write and advocate on your behalf. Again, all of these things make the unfamiliar familiar again. And I think that's going to be helpful uh, to you in terms of uh, in terms of getting interviewed. Your goal as an IMG, don't think too far ahead. You're not thinking about where I will match. What you should do is think about getting interviews, getting interviews, getting interviews. Once the interviews are there, then you really are. On, on the same playing field as others that have gotten interviews. And the distinction between you being an IMG and, and not is, is largely washed away. So the strategies that you develop should be thoughtful, deliberate, and aimed at getting interviews. And just talking about not, not matching makes me anxious. And I'm not even a medical student. What advice do you have for applicants who you know, need to prepare themselves for the, the psychological impact of not matching? Yeah, it, it is such a, um, it, it's a very difficult experience for anyone um, to go through given how much investment they've made in, in their career to this point. And I think it's really hard. It's easy to say not to take it personally. Um, I have talked to many applicants that have had this experience and it's really hard to not take it personally. It feels extremely personal when this happens. I think there are a couple of pieces of advice that I would have. First is to, uh, it's very important to uh, recognize that you're gonna have emotion around this, but that you must mobilize at least during soap week to make sure that you're able to take advantage of opportunities that might be there for you this particular week. And so that's where the pre-planning, Todd, as you mentioned earlier, is so important, um, but to mobilize and to act, um, knowing that you're gonna have to process this emotion at some point, but to act immediately will be very important. Uh, having gone through it and then not matching, I think getting to the space of being able to learn from it. This is where having that honest advisor is so important because this is the person that can uh, that can share empathy with you, but that can also then give you uh, the critical feedback that you need and constructive advice that will help you improve, make, make plans, and ideally uh, match in the next cycle. The reality is, and I'll, I, I've said this to others, and again, it's, I think, hard to uh, incorporate into how you feel. It, it isn't personal. 
The reality is that these are systems issues, that there are very blunt selection mechanisms. This is something that's an urgent need for the country for us to become far more holistic in our approach of how we move people from medical school uh, and as applicants into, into residency programs. And uh, unfortunately, right now, it's a very blunt uh, process. And so uh, I can tell you it's blunt. I can tell you it's not personal. I understand that that's um, hard to hear and to believe, but it is true. Dr. Desai, thank you so much for that excellent perspective. I'm sure the folks that are listening out there found that really, really helpful. Know also uh, that the AMA has resources for medical students that can help. Uh, you can check out Frida, that's F-R-E-I-D-A, and you can visit frida.ama-assn.org and watch AMA's Road to Residency video series to learn more about what to do if you don't match. Uh, thanks again, Dr. Desai. That's it for today's uh, video and podcast. And we'll be back with another one shortly. In the meantime, make sure to click subscribe on AMA's YouTube channel, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can find all of our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcast. Thanks for joining us. Take care. This has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. I'm Todd Unger, and this is Moving Medicine.